You're listening to podcast number 217, part two of a two-part series where Paul, Jocelyn, and Ivan summarize the end of the 2012 Symphony in Seed and Soil Tour. Enjoy. And uh, uh, so then we went to Diego's place, the guy that was like putting on this whole day for us. Right. And uh, and looked at what he was doing. He had some stuff going on. I gave him some uh, some suggestions. Um, and and once again, everything looked, you know, like it was well fried and hot and and, that, and stuff like that. He he had a lot of different systems he was trying. A lot of different things he was doing. I I thought it was cool that he was trying so many different things. Right. Right. So um, we did. We looked at Diego's place, and then and then we all headed over for the big talk. And um, wow! Oh wait, you got something else? Yeah, I agree. Wow, on the big talk, but uh, I have something to say about the Diego's Google culture. Um, we have seen uh, quite an amount of of Google culture beds made by knowledgeable uh, people like uh, Diego, but uh, I'm surprised that so many people rather build uh, longer, uh, short, long, longer but uh, not so tall Google culture beds when in those climates there it's uh, super essential to have them tall. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's essential to have them tall everywhere i i love the idea of adding texture to the landscape and so uh kids weren't weren't that tall right okay. they they were like um two feet maybe something like that yeah but that was that was one of the suggestions we made was taller bigger more 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 give me give me give me give me, yeah, give me. The, the, he had a pretty steep hillside was uh building some pretty significant terraces up there. It looked like a lot of work <laughs> for what he had done. It was a lot of work. Okay. So at the presentation, uh, it was really great because I got I usually sh- I usually go about a half hour early to get set up, make sure everything's okay. And I uh, and so as I arrived, there was a group of people lingering outside waiting for me. Uh, and and they were excited to see me. That was fun. And then as we went into the building, uh, then then there were many many more people who were that was a half hour early. <laughs> and uh, um, uh, and and then there was uh, there was 140 people. Um, and Diego got up and gave me a, an amazing introduction. And the whole presentation was recorded and immediately put up on YouTube, so it's there now. Um, and at the presentation, somebody, somewhere along the line, said, at my church, we're arguing about whether or not to use herbicides. And I said something like, what would Jesus spray? Uh, and so basically, I kind of, I, I gave the poor woman a really hard time saying, um, I don't think Jesus would poison plants. And so whoever is at your church... Uh, that's that's advocating the use of poisons. Um, I I think uh, I think people need to give that those people the stink eye. You know that's just wrong. Um, I think it's uh, harsher words than that. Uh, I think maybe you even said something about hell uh, at some point. Uh, <laughs> <in the presentation. laughs> 
Yeah. Oh, and this is a good point to point out that um, at nearly every, I mean, at all presentations, every presentation, I was um, uh, surrounded. Like, people came up afterwards, and they were so glad, and they loved it, loved it, loved it, and gifts, and happy, and so much good stuff. And, and, uh, and then at every presentation, I think there was somebody that was not happy. And so, um, but it's like, that's just the way it is. You're going to, and so uh, it's the polka music thing, you know. It's like, uh, you, if you go to a, it's, it's kind of weird to go to a concert about polka, go to a polka um, music thing, and it's like, no, it wasn't that acid rock that I want to hear. Uh, it was all this polka crap. And you got to give up the polka. So, so then they, like, email the band and say, you guys got to give up the polka music. And you need to do the screaming acid rock. That's what that's what the public wants. Screaming acid rock. That's the only thing they want. But oh, well, uh, we can agree on the on the polka um, uh, analogy. 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 <laughs> Thank you. Um, and you are uh, special, like polka. And uh, uh, I think many times uh, when people. Um, uh, suggest things. Not not all wants wants the screaming acid thing, but maybe maybe popularize the the polka a little bit so that even more people can 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 stand listening to her podcast or or, or whatever. But uh, I mean, I listen to near all of yours and uh, I love them. I, I think that the big thing is, is, is uh, and, and the message to anybody is be yourself, you know, do your own thing, don't don't try to, because you're right, you know, it, it, the people, these people write and they say, screaming acid rock is what everybody wants and that's the only thing you should do, but the, but the reality is that's just not true, it, different folks want different things, and, and so then I do what I do, and there's a, there's a segment of people that like what I do. And so I do it for that segment. I don't try to please everybody. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. Thank you for all you have been doing and all that you are going to do. It's awesome. We need, I mean, when people uh, suggest that you change, maybe should those people uh, start contribute uh, to, uh, to permaculture and uh, to change the world? by themselves they can do it exactly the way they want and then they can see how many years they need to get one million views per month <laughs> that's right we crossed one million in August we have one one million people coming to my empire each month now um, but yeah I, I think that uh, uh, you're exactly right Ivan uh, those people that are like saying you have to do it a different way I think they should do a, go out and do it exactly the way they think is the best and then we've got more people out there uh, trying to share stuff about permaculture. I just wanted to go back to San Diego real quick. The pre well, the presentation was in Oceanside, and um, Diego was really creating a rich event. Not only did he take us around on tours during the day, we could have gone to more if we had had more time. But they we had more lined up, but we yeah. couldn't. We ran out of time, which was really a rich experience to do that. And then the event, he had his opening remarks, and then there were, you were there, and he also had a local organic um, nursery 
business owner there who had plants, and he was there with his plants when they talked to people, and um, so he was creating quite a rich educational experience and community event. I just thought that was cool, and it was fun to hang out with your cousin, Jay. Oh, right. We, I, I went to dinner, too, which was nice. That's right. That's right. I'm trying to I'm trying to remember what the dinner thing was. Oh, uh, that like a pub. Oh, right, right, right. Friday night. It was a Friday night, and all the young people were up. My my cousin had a as a swimming pool, and I went skinny dipping. Yes, I did. (laughs) Try to get that image out of your head. (laughs) All right. So then, uh, uh, then was the big day, the big night, because it's like. uh, So there we were. We're all done in Oceanside. Huge turnout. Lots of people just so excited. They loved the presentation, and one person hated it. Uh, And and. then, then it's Jeff's big moment, and and we uh, we we went to bed in the land whale, and uh, Jeff drove across the desert, and uh, um, into Phoenix. Yeah, Tempe, yeah. Tempe, yeah. Tempe actually. Yeah. Yeah, Tempe, Tempe, not Permi, but Tempe. And not Tempe. <laughs> right, not that uh, that soy thing. Right. Yeah. So, uh, uh, and then we had, we kind of had an adventure trying to find a place to eat, and we ended up uh, riding the the uh, local transportation, the uh, oh, light breakfast. light rail for breakfast. Yeah, the the thing I thought was kind of funny, and we'll, we should let Ivan jump in when he wants to too. But we, um, I googled, uh, you know, before we went to sleep to try and find a place that we could stay, an RV park that had a laundry and was close somewhere in Tempe um, to the presentation. And I found a place, like, within a mile or two of the presentation venue, which, um, and we pulled in there. And then they, when we registered with them, they asked what year the land whale was. And I thought it was 92. And you told me later it was a 90. I was yeah. registering us. And she said, well... Well, uh, we'll put down that it's a 96 in case the owners come by. <laughs> yeah, because apparently 90 is so old that we'd be an eyesore. Right. Yeah. Okay. I thought that was kind of funny. I don't know. Maybe you So, uh, and then we had, uh, it seemed like throughout the day, the, the permaculture Jesus theme kept coming up. There was Because right. we were on the train on the way back to um, the land whale, and some guy came up, and we couldn't make out whether he was on, he was tripping on something, or whether that's his natural state. But I, Ivan and I think he was tripping. Don't you think? I, yeah, very hard to say. Maybe he was coming down from it. I I thought that was a natural state. I thought he was a guy that. Oh, you know, he was like a car down, and he saw you, Paul, and then he he, he saw you, and he just made a beeline for you and sat down in the seat across the car from you and said, God bless you. He couldn't stop staring at me. Yeah. Well, his eyes were... So Ivan and I started selling him on permaculture, which he um, was in a position to buy anything we had to say. I like you guys dealt with him really well. What did you say to him, Ivan? Oh, I can't remember. He said plant seeds, I think. Yeah, and he's like, yeah. 
Yeah. So anyway, all right. But that somehow it seems like you know the idea of permaculture Jesus came up like three times that day. Yeah. Um, but it, it, I presented on Wafati, um, and uh, we got to uh, uh, we went out to dinner, and then we got back to the land rail and found out the air conditioner was broken. Yeah. Um, One of the hardest hottest locations we were in the whole trip. And the, the theme, the presentation theme, Wofate, down in Phoenix, with a desert, and, and most uh, permaculturists are urban permaculturists, and, and it's hot and dry, uh, and I don't have, um, maybe none of them have uh, woodland, and still um, the organizers wanted the, the Wofate presentation that was a little bit uh, surprising and, and interesting when uh, when uh, greening the desert and uh, how to skip irrigation stuff uh, seems so much more uh, um, like a, a suitable uh, topic. topic they charge people 25 bucks to come hear me talk I mean usually it's like five or ten bucks or donation or or just you don't have to pay anything but wow 25 bucks so, and then you did do your 30 Tinkers technologies in 30 minutes, and I, I like that one, and that seems to be one people really enjoy as well. Right. So then, then we're uh, um, heading to the Grand Canyon, uh, and we got there, and yes, it was large uh, and grand, um, and then we went to the next part of the Grand Canyon, and we looked at it, and it was large and, and grand. And I even learned a new word at the next part. That's right, because people might, what was it they might do to a national landmark? I don't know if you want to talk about this. No, okay. let's not talk about this. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, Sometimes you read a word, and then you can't understand what it is, so you make the best of it. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> but it was, it was really fun. I'd never been to the Grand Canyon before, and there was a um, lovely... Uh, tower at the east entrance that we saw built in the 1930s. It was pretty cool. And then we went up to Bryce Canyon. Yeah. The, the thing about the canyons in that part of, uh, of the state uh, is that it's, it's really the Grand Canyon that is supposed to be awesome, right? But uh, the Bryce Canyon was different, but Equally awesome. I I liked Bryce Canyon more, um, and I saw a lizard. I we, we I, saw lizards at both of them. Uh, yeah, that's true. And I I took pictures of them. And then we saw we saw a lizard in Ashland. I took a picture of it, but it had a blue tail. So somebody said it's a blue-tailed skink. And and so, so why did you like Bryce Canyon better? It just looked cooler. Uh, it was more interesting formations, and there was lots of arches. And it, and they, you could see a trail down below, where as you walk down the trail, you go through a little tiny arch. And and I was thinking, well, if we had more time, maybe we'd go for a walk on the trail under the arches and stuff. Yeah. Well, we we spent the night um, uh, south of Bryce Canyon, or kind of southwest of Bryce Canyon, I think it was. Um, after we saw the Grand Canyon, and we had to kind of go rather quickly at Bryce Canyon. In fact, I, I didn't even get out of the land well because I was working with a client, so I didn't get out and look at Bryce Canyon like you guys did because we had to stay on track for making it to your next presentation. 
Right. So then we uh, we ended up in um, Boulder, Utah, which is like a teeny tiny town in Utah. 200 people. That was your uh, next presentation and your last, the seventh of the seven presentations. Oh, wow. Relief. Um, uh, and then uh, I thought the farm was interesting, True Nature Farm. Yeah. And what was that guy's name? Eden? Is that right? Yeah, Eden. Eden. Eden, he's like, uh, and so he's, he seemed like a really sharp guy, and and then when I look at this stuff, there was a there was a, a lot of polyculture. Although I was trying to ask for more, so he he had stuff that was in in bunches, like polyculture bunches. So here's a here's a bunch of tomatoes, and there's stuff growing under the tomatoes, and here's a bunch of squash, and there's stuff growing under the squash, and I I, I want him to mix everything up more. He actually went to school at Wilderness Awareness School in, in Duval, or did some training there. That's oh, my neck of the woods. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah. That would have been. I mean, I do think there's a lot of good stuff going there, and he's only been like they've only been doing uh, permaculture stuff there for like a year or two. Yeah. Yeah. Not very yeah. long at all. And they had uh, they got their intern habitat set up, and they have a, they have a decent system for uh, for internship, uh, which. Uh, Gives them um, uh, more hands, more uh, manpower, but uh, also uh, cash to their uh, to their farm. I I thought for sure that um, uh, we weren't going to see uh, uh, Ivan or Jeff that night because the young women interns there, I thought had grabbed them and drugged them off into the bushes, <laughs> but they did eventually show up uh, and and. Uh, so, but uh, uh, we gave, I gave a presentation there, and once again, there was one party that was not happy, but everybody else seemed very, very happy. Um, and I think it was making the big bucks. Yes. Yeah. Which I think I did making the big bucks twice on this tour. Yes. Yeah. I always kind of thought that was, like, not a big deal, but, boy, the people seem to really love that one. Yeah, and you have also some, uh, some fans. Uh, which uh, we're very happy to see you and uh, have heard all of your uh, podcasts and uh, really contributed uh, to your presentation. Right. I think we had fans show up at all the presentations, you know, for whoever was local. This, this one fan of yours at True Nature Farm is also a big fan of Jack Spearcoats from the Survival Podcast. Right, right. Um, and, and so there's a lot of overlap. Uh, Jack's very smart. In fact, I've... I've uh, I've seen some of Jack's. Jack's made some podcasts, or not podcasts, he's made some videos where he's, like, teaching some intro to permaculture stuff. And and I thought he had a really good angle on it. Uh, like, uh, um, he's presenting it in a way I've not seen it presented before, and he's introducing ideas that I had not seen presented before. Um, and so I, I thought they were very good. I thought they were really a, a much easier way of understanding some of these things. So yes, Jack is is definitely um, uh, he, he's, he's uh, consumed the Kool Aid. So uh, he's in. He's he's doing an awesome job. So it's, I think it's no wonder that there's you know crossover between the two. Um, I have something more to say about True Nature Farm, um, and I agree with you when I mentioned the polyculture. It's uh, was a, a great example, maybe the best uh, example of uh, polyculture up until that point we have seen so we have seen on, on this tour. 
at least if you don't come to Preetor, which I wasn't a part of, but uh, on True Nature Farm, uh, they have had uh, a problem with bindweed, and uh, uh, Eden was talking about it, and you did uh, a couple of uh, videos, and uh, you have been talking about bindweed in your podcast uh, uh, earlier, and it, it struck me as strange that uh, such a vital and uh, opportunistic uh, plant uh, don't uh, uh, don't uh, can't be used for something. And Eden has discovered that uh, the soil actually improved uh, where the pine weeds have been. And that's just a nice to see. Right. And so uh, with bindweed, it's going to be an indicator of poor topsoil because the uh, the bindweed roots go so deep into the soil that it doesn't need topsoil. So where you have a lot of bindweed, I, I mean, that's just something I've been noticing in the last uh, five months or so, that where you don't have or you have bindweed, if you look, the topsoil is typically really awful, and, and the bindweed doesn't need great topsoil. So, so there's bindweed. Do you have something, Jocelyn? Yeah, I was just going to say, um, and also they had started um, goats, and the goats were eating the bindweed. So they they liked it, especially if there's nothing else green around. They definitely wanted something green, not dried, and the bindweed would stay green. And they preferred it over the alfalfa. Right, right, yeah, that was a good one. But, yeah, you, they're definitely showing signs of how it was improving the soil wherever the bindweed was going uh, hog wild. Um, they were wanting to introduce one different animal each year, and they had just introduced goats. And um, they had such wonderful, wonderful oak trees that, um, yeah, the oak, I mean, we're walking on, you know, inches of acorns. It was just amazing. So, yeah, I, I kept saying that once you bring pigs in, that mast. And um, it's like I, I, I suggest they're leaving gold laying around on the ground, and then, of course, it, it worked in perfectly with my um, Making the Big Bucks presentation, because in that I talk about those hams that sell for $4,000 a ham raised on acorn. For people who don't really know where a ham comes from, that's one leg of a pig. Right. So, um, uh, True Nature Farm, I don't know, there's a lot of good stuff. I really, I really liked what we saw there. Um, and then uh, after that, anything else from True Nature Farm? Uh, I don't remember anything. So uh, then we moved on to Salt Lake City to see an old friend, Andrew Bunkhouse. He's oh, in podcast. Well, I oh. did want to say at True Nature, there was a potluck after the presentation. So the presentation was kind of early in the afternoon. A bunch of people had carpooled in from four miles away or several hours away. And, so there were some other really great people, the uh, Remkes family, and uh, that we had met through Facebook and through email. So they were really awesome. Anyway, just great community of people out there. Yes, and it was kind of weird too. It's like uh, uh, Salt Lake City is four hours away, and so we're kind of like, okay, well, we'll present in Salt Lake City, and, and the people in Salt Lake City were like, no, 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 we'll drive the four hours and see you down there in Boulder, Utah at True Nature Farm because that's just that cool. We will all gladly make the drive. So that's where they all came. 
So, um, uh, then, and then we went to Salt Lake City. We saw my friend Andrew, who is in Podcast 100, the one about the CFL. Um, and I hung out with him for a while. Uh, and then we made a run for Missoula. Uh, and uh, uh, we got to, to Missoula in a day. Um, and and uh, we ate at uh, the Silk Road. Uh, which is one of the top three restaurants in Missoula, um, and tapas. It's very, very good. And I've eaten a lot of very fine restaurants in my life because I used to make a lot of money and eat at fine restaurants. And I, I, I'd be hard pressed to come up with a restaurant better than the Silk Road, with the exception of that place that served us that really tender tenderloin wrapped in bacon. That was pretty amazing. But I just did a much more than that Well, yeah, but before we leave the Silk Road, uh, we saw some famous guy. Who was the famous guy? He was like the coach of the Chicago Bulls or something. Uh, L.A. Lakers. Yeah, Bill Jackson, I think, just said, I'm not a sports fan. So I don't know. I'm not either. So, uh, But apparently it was a big, big deal, and everybody's going and eyeing. But Missoula does have a lot of stars because yeah. Missoula is a cool town. And this one guy uh, uh, that works in the restaurant uh, came by uh, uh, our table and asked, uh, hey, aren't you that uh, permaculture guy from uh, the YouTube uh, video? <laughs> yes. Yes, I am. I am that guy. Do you want to shake my hand? So, yeah, we had we, there was that. There was one guy there. He was such a good employee. He didn't want to linger at the table and chat. He was he was working pretty darn hard. They had a busy night going. That was pretty fun. So yeah, he just kind of said hi and moved on and and came back later and and said how much he liked the videos and stuff and he really liked the one about the the CFLs and that you know apparently to prove the point to a friend of his <laughs> he's been trying to say the same thing as in the video. So um. But yes, then the next day we uh, had breakfast at one of Missoula's favorite breakfast places, the Hop Knob. And uh, then, and then uh, we uh, we separated. We, we parted for a ways. I had to go run some errands. And then you and Jeff went up to the M. Yes, uh, to to see the, the the different views. Uh, and by views, do you mean the city, or do you mean all the women that were on the path? Well, uh, there was different sites, uh, and uh, one of them was uh, down on the Hellgate uh, Valley, and uh, Jeff uh, being super knowledgeable about uh, just about uh, anything except permaculture, uh, <laughs> told, told stories about uh, the Indians and uh, Lewis and Clark and, uh, and whatnot, and it was uh, really, really, really interesting. And then we went to see the uh, university and, uh, and stuff like that. So, yeah, you have been bragging a lot about uh, Missoula, saying how uh, Missoula is such an awesome city. And uh, I've been thinking that uh, maybe uh, you uh, are saying that because that's where you currently live. But uh, I have to say, uh, I kind of see what you mean. And we took you to meet the mayor. Yeah, that was awesome. We 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 went to the mayor and uh, talked about uh, permaculture and uh, uh, how uh, it uh, yeah 
And you got to see the carousel? Yes. All hand-carved by our community. Yes, that was, uh, that was awesome. And I managed to take, uh, uh, take down six uh, rings, but I did not get the brass one at the end. <laughs> so, uh, we uh, I mean, we walked around a lot. We saw a lot of different things, um, and then we went to Bigga Pizza, which doesn't have my favorite pizza flavors anymore. Yeah, I know it made me sad. Then we moved the Landwell over to Caleb and Chris's, and then we got up uh, yesterday morning, and we made a run for uh, Dayton, uh, where Seth Holzer was. We looked at, at Seth Holzer's uh, Hugo Culture bed. He put in nearly a kilometer of hooliculture beds last May. At the place of gathering. Yeah. And uh, it turns out that they did try to irrigate some of it, like maybe 10% of it. But uh, that the, the stuff that they tried to irrigate did not... Well, some of it did okay. Some of it did very poorly. But the stuff, uh, and the stuff that they did not irrigate, some of it was spectacularly awesome, and some of it looked kind of sad. So uh, maybe it you know it dried out or whatever, but you know it is the first year, which is which my expectations for the first year aren't very high. Uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, it's, it's hard to pick out highlights uh, from uh, from a tour like this when uh, when it's so much awesome stuff. I mean, almost, I mean there's so much awesome, awesome everywhere, awesome here and awesome there, and uh, this place had the most awesome hoobie culture beds I have seen in real life. I just was blown away by just walking along all the food. I, I mean, they had scattered so many uh, radish, lettuce, carrot, kale, uh, mustard, you know, herbs, seeds all along these hoobie culture beds. And it was just so much food in the sunflowers and the sunchokes growing on the top and the fruit trees and berry bushes were, you know, were growing. Um, uh, but there were so, they'd sown so many annuals and perennials that, I mean, we, we all just started plucking carrots because there was a kilometer of food on these huge walls, you know, a kilometer of walls of food. And there were five of us, six of us, walking around in there going, oh, here's a carrot. Let's try this mustard green, and let's try this kale leaf, and um, just dripping with food. It was phenomenal. You know, you're, yeah. So Michael Billington is the land manager, and, and uh, uh, he's, he's uh, a little new to permaculture, but he's picking it up very fast. And um, he was expressing that uh, he felt like because he like he did the carrots. Right? He said, "I don't, I don't think I could go to a farmer's market and sell these carrots." And because these carrots are not as you know, the other people are raising these carrots that are like a foot long, and these are only four inches long. And so it's like, well, this is a variety of carrots that grows shorter for one. Uh, for another, it's like, okay, this is this is without irrigation. So the flavor of your carrot is going to be far stronger than the flavor of their great big carrots because they, those were irrigated carrots. And, uh, you know, you could notice the flavor. There was much more flavor when you ate these carrots. Um, and I said, and on top of that, your carrots are all polyculture carrots. So I think you can actually get the highest price at 
at the farm. Well, and what I explained to them later, because Katerina and Michael were, I, I think, possibly and reasonably a bit dubious about that. They were like, well, wouldn't you have to educate the consumers? And I said, well, there's the whole slow food movement and the Weston A. Price Foundation people. And uh, neither Katerina or Michael had heard of the slow food movement or the Weston A. Price. And um, the slow food movement, of course, I think we've talked about it in podcast before, started in Italy, and it's all about the local food for freshness, flavor, and nutrition, and, you know, eating whole, fresh foods, and eating a whole foods diet, and local food. Um, Weston A. Price Foundation is about that, and then some, because it's also about traditional foods, and sometimes fermented foods, but there are also people who are going to be looking for that carrot that has the better flavor, has the better nutrition, and, um, uh, it's going to be fresher. Yeah, yeah, and and more flavorful. Right. So that's an education element that's already out there, and it doesn't, you know, it's it's just a layer below polyculture or permaculture, really. But um, it's a definitely a good starting point and a good um, way to start marketing your food. So Caleb, Chris, and John went with us, and. Um, and, and then we headed up to uh, Mike Ayler's place, and uh, we, we uh, got up there, um, and uh, um, it was already starting to get a little a little dark. And I had one video I wanted to shoot, and I got I got my video, um, and uh, uh, everybody. It just it just seemed like I mean, how long did you guys party last night? Uh, yeah, actually we did party normally when we are socializing with uh, some wine. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's not, it's not like uh, last night. Uh, we got kind of super drunk, <laughs> all of us. Uh, Mike uh, fell off uh, the chair on the bonfire uh, <laughs> and fell asleep while we continued. Uh, but it was uh, it was great. I mean, after um, after seeing uh, the Ailer structure at uh, Glenn and Cassie's uh, place, I look very much forward uh, to to meet Mike Ailer and uh, the the original uh, structures. And uh, it it was it was fantastic. I can't. Uh, yeah, it was absolutely fantastic. And, and we got to hang out with Mike. And yeah, I, I know. I went to bed, and everybody was still going at it. And then you guys all showed up at breakfast mighty late. Yeah, and uh, we all slept in this new structure. And uh, um, this was actually the first time uh, Mike had been uh, sleeping in this new uh, uh, structure. And uh, when he woke up, he said that uh, he didn't know where he was. Uh, perhaps partly because he was still drunk, I don't know. Uh, but also, he said that he really, really felt at home, even though he didn't know where he was. So uh, maybe he will uh, stay there from now on, even though uh, it isn't entirely finished. That dude loves martinis, doesn't he? Yeah, and whiskey. And whiskey. Okay. All right. Well, and uh, and then we we drove back home. We got to look at this uh, this piece of land that I'm currently looking at. Might be buying land in the next few weeks. 
Uh, we're going to go look at it some more in a couple of days, but the tour is over. That's after the tour. Um, and, uh, and and that's, that's the trip. Is that leave anything else? Yes. Uh, we forgot to mention that uh, Caleb, uh, John, and uh, Krista are amazing people. And, uh, yeah, and Michael uh, Billington as well. It will be super interesting to, to follow uh, these people and see what they do in the future with permaculture. It's um, yeah, it's kind of like um, like uh, when we visited the, the Thousand Buddha place. Uh, they made not only one uh, Buddha statue but thousands of them, and that's the way it has to be with permaculture as well. In order to to um, uh, change or should we say save the world with permaculture, it's not. We don't need one. Uh, big permaculture Jesus, we need thousands and thousands of them, and that's, uh, that's uh, you guys listening, and that's uh, Caleb, Krista, John, and, uh, and Michael, and uh, yeah, all the other people we have uh, been meeting on this trip, so uh, that's, that's a good strategy. That's a perfect wrap-up, perfect, perfect summary, Ivan, well done. If you like this sort of thing... Come on out to the forums at permies.com where we talk about traveling to other permaculture sites, homesteading, and permaculture all the time. You've been listening to podcast number 217, part two of a two-part series. Stay tuned to permies.com forums for notice of more podcasts coming your way. That's all.